Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Working Audio Tools podcast, the audio mixing podcast where we constructively critique and compare each other's mixes. We interview audio professionals from YouTube and the mixing community, and we talk about plugins and we generally nerd out on the business side of being an audio mix engineer. This week, we have another mix critique episode. It's not going to be a comparison. There's going to be a part two where Paul delivers his version of this mix having the benefit of listening to my mix and learning what not to do in the process. This song is called Another Love Song by an artist called James Dupree. This was recorded by Joe Carroll at the Warm Audio Studios in Austin, Texas. And this is, as some of you may be aware already, the song that is the current Rate My Mix competition song that's happening in association with our good friends at Produce Like a Pro. Now, I'm purely entering this for my own mixing benefit. I'm under no illusions of winning. Um, and if I did win anything, I would give away all the prizes. I will say that on record because I just don't need anything in the studio. Quality. Yes, I can send them to me, Ed. I could do a few for the shirt. Uh, quality, I'll take it. You can also get... <laughs> so let's have a listen to a dry, rough mix of the track and then we'll listen to my mix. And Paul is going to carefully destroy it. <laughs> <laughs> So that is another love song by James Dupree. It's been very well recorded from what I understand through a lot of warm audio, well, all warm audio microphones in their studio. If you haven't seen their warm audio studio tour on their YouTube channel, check it out. It's a dream to die for purpose built studio. And it's obviously full of their gear. And I personally really rate the warm audio preamps. And I've, I think I've owned every one of their compressors at some point. I don't know if, the, if how much was tracked through compression, but I understand most of it was tracked through 412 and WA73 preamps. So, Paul, what did you think of the rough mix? Did anything stand out to you? I'm not, I'm just going to say it, man. That mix needs hardly anything done to it. Like, <laughs> my God. Like, that's one of the... I think in hindsight, <laughs> that rough mix sounds better than the mix you're going to hear. <laughs> like... The guitars are immaculately recorded. Like, I'm sitting there listening to this for the first time, thinking, right, okay, I know that, like, I'll be able to polish it and make it sound better, but, it, like, less is more is definitely the key to this because there, it doesn't need over-processing. Um, it just basically needs a bit of a run-through your mix template, um, get the vocals to sit a little bit more up front in the mix and add a little bit of width and a little bit of depth job done the drums are really well recorded you're lucky if the guitars need anything more than just like a high pass maybe like a tiny little eq boost but yeah i'm looking actually really forward to do this because i know it's going to be a really quick mix now as much as it's an amazing recording i would be interested to hear anything that you felt off the bat ed that you felt you needed 
to fix certain things that you had to work at? Were there any struggles in the mix? Before we hear yours, your first impression and things that you felt straight away you kind of needed to tackle. I mean, as you can hear from the recordings, very little. Um, the Everything just sounds big. Uh, I noticed some Tom and bass clashing in, the, in that rough mix there, so I wanted to fix that. Uh, it is, as you said, just about pulling the vocals forward, adding some nice subtle effects, and just trying to go full country with it. I've been listening to a lot of country music, including James's other stuff, and it's all, you know, there's certainly a sound and a style that I think I'm leaning towards quite naturally. I, I probably spent about six hours on this. Oh, I'll tell you what the main decision was, was was I going to do this in the box? Ooh. Because since I've been getting a couple of clients, which I have been getting, I've been doing in the box mixes for easy recalls mm -hmm. and everyone's thinking, but what about all the analog? <laughs> well, this is where the analog comes in. On my music and certain projects for fun, and you know, if, if the budget's there with the clients, I will use some of the analog gear because I did on the in the box mixes. I missed my drum analog chain. That was the main thing I okay. missed in terms of getting a beefy, girthy drum sound. So I really wanted to jump back into this and use the analog chain, which I'll walk through. I'll do some screen overlays and walk through this later on in the video. So I did decide to go hybrid again with most things, not everything. I think primarily vocals, bass, drums, and the guitar bus, I believe, is going through the Raya from Where's Audio purely for some harmonics, not doing any compression. Um, so let's, let's have a listen to my track, and then we'll dive into the session, and I can walk you through what I did. Okay, let's go up.
DistroKids sponsors the Working Audio Tools podcast and 30% off your first year subscription can be found in the podcast show notes and the YouTube video description. Hyperfollow is the easiest way to place all of your content in one single place, making finding all of your content super easy for your audience. Upload artwork for your release, edit the information, and apply links to all of the streaming platforms your music is going to be available, which of course on DistroKid is potentially all of them that exist now and even in the future. Add social media buttons so your audience can find you and your latest music video. Creating a beautiful landing page with a preview of your music is easy with Hyperfollow. Hyperfollow links can be created for all of your releases and it enables you to create pre-save links for your audience to pre-order your music before it's released. This link is shareable on all of your platforms and a great way to promote your next release only with DistroKid. There is Ed's mix of another love song. Straight off the bat, I have to say, I don't really think there was really anything with this mix I could critique, really, to be honest with you. I think that, yeah. The day has finally <laughs> arrived. <laughs> um, again, I think that you, cool. you did the right thing Thanks, in man. terms of enhancing the mix. And again, it does sound very genre specific when I've listened to a lot of country yeah. records. Again, I think you know the drums didn't need that much work. But again, you've added the punch in there. You've added a little bit of the separation. The guitars have that width, so they sit a little bit different. The vocals, uh, nice and up front, doesn't sound harsh, doesn't sound muddy. The only thing I would say personally would be, I think, the electric guitars maybe just need a little bit of upper mid-range. I just feel that they could have had a little bit more presence. Everything's there. I just think if you were just to make like one EQ boost and just give the, the, the guitars a little bit more energy, that's normally what I like to hear from my guitars. And I think it, it would be the upper mid-range. But apart from that, I can't. Re- I think, again, you were, you were very tasteful in your vocal effects and you did it really well where um, there was one where I could hear you had that throw delay and it was timed very, very well. So again, you were very thoughtful about it um, and it wasn't random. It made sense to me. Um, I thought the bass sounded nice. There wasn't anything that was coming out at me to the point where I know that anybody would be able to listen to that song. It'd be a pleasant, pleasurable listening experience for them. You wouldn't. I, there's no way that you would have any average listener listen to that and be like, oh yeah, I, I don't really like this because there's nothing not to like really, in my opinion. End of podcast. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, job done. I have completed full third. <laughs> <laughs> the upper mid-range on the guitars, I assume you mean the rhythm guitars, not the the, the baritone guitar doing the main riff. Okay, cool. Well, I, I would try that because I do have a couple of notes for things. I mean, I'll be honest, I could submit that and I could use that for my mix oh, portfolio, which I will. Totally because it's such a good set of multi-tracks. Mm. I'd say up there with the Hey Chelsea multi-tracks for sure, except the vocals in this case have been recorded far better. <laughs> they were a bit too over-compressed on that uh, Hey Chelsea I think one. you did what, what you needed to do. I think as I think what you've done here is yeah. you've, you've, you've completed your job as a mix engineer. You know what the quality of what you were given, and you've just enhanced it. That's our job. Again, with this, remember when Prizzy said um, you've got millimetres to work with? On this, it sounds like you had millimetres to work with but I think you've done what needed to be done in my opinion well yeah. I'll tell you what let's go into the session and we can talk about okay. uh, what I did but what Joe mentions in the Produce Like a Pro video when they, they're announcing the competition is exactly what I thought and think listening back in that they had five four, four, I think it was five or six musicians in the room at the same time and he said 
you've got five or six producers in the room with you, mm-hmm. and they're all playing such beautiful, wonderful parts. Oh, the slight the parts are just like, mm-hmm. oh, oh my god. Yeah, I mean, stuff like this is just a joy to mix. Yeah. And like I, I think, I think I don't know if I said earlier, it took I spent about six hours on this. It just which. It, for me, is kind of half the normal time. <laughs> it just <laughs> mixes itself. Um, let's dive into Logic. Cool. All right. So we're in Logic uh, now, which is my DAW of choice, my weapon of mass seduction. You can see how I lay out my session. Drums at the top, kicks, snare, toms, hats, overheads, mono mics. Then we go into bass, acoustics. I split those up to pan them different ways then we had a banjo there is a piano there's a b3 organ a stereo top and a mono low part the interesting thing actually which i struggled with probably the most was probably the guitars actually because there is a 57 guitar and a ribbon mic on the same side now the ribbon mic is very sounding and the 57's a little on the harsh side Oh, is that a Royer? Um, Have they done the classic 57 Royer electric guitar thing? I think so. I'm not sure what mm. FH stands for. But I, I went for both of those with the 57 panned further wide because it was brighter. And then only about five cents further in uh, was the ribbon mic, but six decibels lower and slightly different uh, high passing, although very similar high passing because I did at one point over high pass one of them and then I was hearing some phasing. Then we've got a lead guitar and a steel guitar, lead vocals, which I've chopped up and clip gained slightly, as you can see there. Mainly so that the um, verse vocals, which were quieter, were hitting the compressors the same way as the lead vocals, rather than splitting those two sections up onto different tracks. And then on my vocal bus, I've automated those accordingly, as you can see here for the different sections. That's a lot of automation then, eh? I mean, that not much, I would say, really, for that. And then we have backing vocals, of which there were two, and again, tiny bit of clip gain for that bit that I wanted a little bit louder. My bass drums go to my drum bus. Snare drums go to a snare bus. Toms go to a tom bus. Hi-hats to a hi-hat bus. Overhead to an overhead bus. Mono drum mics to a room bus. And then in my mixer window, I line these up. So we have kicks, snare, toms, hats, overheads, rooms. The kicks, snares, and toms then go to a shells bus. The hats, overheads, and rooms go to a cymbals bus. These then go to a drum bus. These then with the bass go to a drum and bass bus. And then you can see all the other instruments, acoustic guitars, lead, piano, organ, slide guitar. And I did actually do a lead guitar bus, oh, banjo bus as well. And there's a lead guitar bus somewhere. Now, for anyone in the comments who might be able to help me with this, Logic is absolutely infuriating because... You would think, Paul, that I'd be able to drag, say, this channel strip here and move it somewhere. You're joking. No. Oh, my You can't days. do that in Logic. You Jesus. have to either set them up in order. So I spent a long time getting my oh, template, no. starting from scratch, going kick, snares, toms, hats, overheads, rooms, in order like this. And then I got to, like, 15 buses in and then cracked on with the vocals. Mate, uh, you need to move to Studio One, man. You honestly, you need to move to <clears> Studio One. I'll tell you what, I have thought about it because that single feature alone drives me bonkers in Logic. Maybe someone in the comments knows more about this than I do and can tell me how to do that. There is a way of doing it using the moving stuff around in the arrange window, but that then requires having every single bus viewable in the arrange window and then you just ended up scrolling up and download. So there is a way around it, but there's not an obvious and easy way around in the mixer window. 
So who's moved back to Studio One? Matty Harris. Now, for anybody who doesn't know, uh. we had we had Matty Harris on uh, the podcast, and he was Pro Tools Studio One, and went back to Pro Tools. And I was we were chatting, and I noticed in a recent uh, YouTube video that he did that he was back on Studio One. So obviously, me being me, I was like messaged him straight away. I was like, "What's all this about?" He's like, "Yeah, I know." Uh, he was like, "You were right." It was like Studio One is back up and running. He's not getting any bugs. But I think it was more because he wants to use the soft tube, um, the new console one or whatever it is that they've released, which works really well with Studio One. Mate, Studio One, you need to move. I'm telling you, <coughs> you've been telling me about the, the things in Logic you don't like, and I am a Studio One fanboy, and you will love it. Trust me. The fact, I, know, mate, I couldn't I deal with that. The fact that you can't fucking move, like, oh, mate, no, no, that's, that, that just should be a simple thing to do in a door. I'd do my tits in. I mean, th- there is a way to do it. I can move stuff in the arrange window and then hide them in the arrange window. Oh, uh, but for this mix, I didn't bother doing that. So back in the session, my mix prep basically involves clip gaining everything so it's peaking at minus 12 decibels on the channel. I used to just go in and, you know, whatever the uh, audio was coming in, at, even if it was like peaking at minus two or minus 20, I would just go in and crack on and mix. Since I've clip gained everything to minus 12 peak, my consistency has just arrived in every mix and, and I know where I'm going with every session. It's also helped me with my analog outboard gear because having that consistent gain structuring means I can send out to the analog gear and hit it all consistently, give or take, if, you know, a dB here and there, obviously, depending on how many things are going out to it. And then that enables me to basically keep all the analog gear in roughly the same places, EQ dependent, of course, but the compressors I mean, I barely touch the compressors uh, in, on this rig, which is really helpful. So then I'm balancing each part of the kit in itself in the arrange window here, and then I'm using the um, faders in the mixer window to further adjust and send to the shells and cymbals bus. So previously, we've had Joe Carell on the podcast talking about his new drum sample pack with the drum sample shop. This session, because it's five years old, doesn't involve those samples but you can hear them in uh, probably every mix. I think I've used them in every mix I've done. I don't know about you, Paul. Yeah, I've used them quite a lot. They're really worth checking out if you can, but uh, the samples in this session, they were kick. There's one kick and two snare samples. They are indicative of the quality of Joe's samples. So once I've leveled everything and panned everything accordingly, I do tend to play around with the guitar panning as I go further into the mix and get to know it a bit better. Uh, as I prioritize certain things. So on all the drums, M auto align for any kind of phase alignment. On this track, the difference with M, M auto align was barely anything. It was negligible, but there was something in the low end that arrived back in place when I auto aligned all the files. So in terms of phase coherence, they were pretty much bang on anyway. Each kick and each snare is getting the, uh, is getting the Oxford drum gate section you can set the decay on this, which is really useful. So you can stop the decay before the next beat. You can time that perfectly so it chops the next beat. Leveler, this is really great for getting consistent kick and snare levels. Obviously, drummers don't always hit things at the same velocity. That's very hard to do, particularly on the bass drum due to the technicality of playing it. And this really helps just get all the transients pretty much the same level. You don't want it perfectly. You get in the ballpark with why, it. Why it, did you not use SmartGate for this one? Because I know you've been using SmartGate quite a lot. Yeah, good question. So I go between the two for vocals and um, kind of more melodic stuff. 
SmartGate is really good. Uh, I do often use SmartGate on snares, but more often than not on kicks, I go with the Sonox drum gate. So once I've leveled the kicks, they're then going to a kick bus with a little bit of EQ, bit of top end, a lot of the mid-range taken out, a lot of the kind of flappiness. Then they're going into an 1176 compressor. Snare drums, once I've blended those in with the samples, not doing too much on each snare channel. Again, trying to keep to a bucket top-down mixing approach. EQ, rolling off some low end, getting rid of some of the honky mid-range. 1176 again, uh, with a slow attack, but a quite a quick release that's adding to the sustain and the energy of the snare. And again, on this one, I had another additional EQ doing uh, a boost at 200 for the body of the snare, which actually was one of the last things I did. Then there's a short reverb and a long reverb. Tom's, similar thing. These were already gated and again, so well recorded. There wasn't really much bleed in them. Bit of EQ. 1176 again. Not really doing too much. Why always the 1176? I've actually never noticed that you use the 1176 <laughs> all the time. Uh, well, I have it on all three there, but different versions of it. Um, I, I just feel like it gives me control over, you know, the attack and the release of it, which I'm really conscious with a compressor like the 1176 of how it can create energy in a mix and how it, if used incorrectly, you can squash things and make them appear back in, backwards in the mix. Now, for some things, that's really useful. If you have a slide guitar or just off the top of my head, something that you do want to feel a bit distanced, using a compressor like, you know, in that way with a fast attack and a longer release can give you that result. That give, gives you a lot more of a mellow mm. result. So I find it quite easy to go between creating a mellow sound or a more lively too aggressive sound, and the 1176 does that really well for me. Oh yeah, on the toms as well, I have an instance of Fuser, and this is side-chained to the bass. Now, I've automated this to only come in in that first verse, where there was quite a lot of clashing in my first iteration of the mix. Hats, stock EQ, stock compressor, not really doing much. Overheads, this is what I've traditionally done, but I would often bypass that these days just to give more weight to the drums, but I just didn't need it with the kicks and the samples and this. Little 10K lift as well there. And then, as I believe you use, Paul, the uh, API 2500. The Tone Empire one, the Model 5000, which is an SSL yeah. compressor with the API, like pass-through transformer circuit or whatever. It's like a blend of the two. The UAD um, 2500 is my drum bus compressor. And again, it was like, I put it on, uh, I had to do a remix for a client today. And I was like, Oh, all right, and I'm not got it on, and I put it back on, and even just the pass through of it, I use it in this drum bus setting, but it's like I can't remember what it is, but it's like I noticed that um, he unlinked the left and right, so like there is like a left and right difference, so left and right are kind of compressing independently, and I think just like with the pass through of it, so whatever the phase is doing with with the post amp and the circuitry, and then adding in like the the compression with the left and right, it's adding a little bit of width to the signal because you've got a difference in left and right and I don't know what it is but every time I always go back to the UAD 2500 and the model 5000 on um, overheads I just like it because it kind of gives me it gives me just a tiny little bit of grit if I want it a little bit of weight in there as well it's got that side chain detection circuit in there like what they call thump which is if I, if I recall it's like a side chain detection circuit quite like having the options 
of like the transformer circuit in there and yeah the model 5000 is it's like the one thing on overheads and i normally have it compressing around 3 db sometimes 5 db dependent on how much i feel the snare needs to come out and needs to kind of duck out of the overheads but yeah it's a great that's a really really great compressor i think i've roughly copied your settings on screen haven't i yeah i think so yeah so not too dissimilar to mine um so on overheads i'm going for a slow attack and a medium release if you go for fast attacks and slow releases, it just brings out the cymbals too much. Whereas I want a really gentle decay um, after, but I want the initial transient to come, the initial smack of the crash to come through. What I tend to do with room mics is manually gate them or cut them out for the verses so that there's another layer coming in yeah, makes sense, for the choruses yeah. and the big sections. I just did it on the one, and this particular room mic has a bit of mid-range cut out. That's kind of their... Kind of honkiness of the kit. API again, slower attack, fast release though. And also on this one, I tried the SPL Vitalizer for some more stereo width on the room mics. And there's a bit of crunch on there and there's a bit of uh, brightness as well. Bass guitar. Now Paul's probably thinking, what is he doing? He hasn't split it and low pass one and high pass the other. Typically, I would do that, but I just didn't feel like it needed it. There's a little bit of Pro-Q3 bringing out the fundamental, taking out some resonances there. Sorry, low pass because that was noisy up at the top there. Su-2. To be honest, I don't think this is even using the preset. This is just what was loaded on my template, but right. I basically have this side-chained to the kick drum. A little bit of kick shaper. Oh, yes. Barely doing anything. Getting Emrys plugging in there. But getting a bit of depth on that, that literally, I think, from the preset that I, my template depth is the only thing that I've added in there. Yep. you got to be careful with that plugin, but it can work wonders if you get it right. Were you um, doing what I was uh, talking about when you're using Quick Shaper to kind of just um, control the sustain of the bass just so you can kind of get that pocket? Because ever since I've been, Emirate kind of taught me how to use it for that. It's just like being a, a game changer for me with bass. Uh, how like you can just keep that bass in the pocket because you're just using D-Boom just to kind of control that sustain. And it's just, it's a, uh, my bass sims are way, way, way more easier to manage now. Yeah, it's quite helpful. I would say use that with caution. It's easy yeah, to overdo very, that. Yeah. And it's it, it's easy to turn a nice resonant bass guitar into um, a, a Moog or something and go mm. from a doom to a boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Then the I.O. plugin is running the bass through my SSL EQ, which is just taking a bit of 800 out and 300, just a little bit, and adding in a little bit of 3K. And then that's going into my JLM LA500, kind of LA3 style opto compressor, which is doing maybe two to three, occasionally 5 dB of compression. So the acoustic guitars, again, came in a stereo file but i was just hearing something so if acoustics come to me in stereo the chances of somebody getting them perfectly in phase is just it's just not going to happen however whoever recorded these virtually got it right wow that's um, impressive so auto align is basically moving one of these audio sources by one sample wow can you hear that i nah, think you can do you think so do you think you can hear it with Trinov, you, you hear every phase discrepancy. Um, now, I, I'm probably just, that's probably a psychoacoustic. I'm not going to even try and 
persuade people that I can hear that amount of discrepancy, can you, F? That's going into Pro Q3. Again, side-chained to the base bus uh, for these lower ones here, just so they stay out of the way. I didn't want to high pass too far because it was going to lose quite a bit of body. And then that is going into... I tried the uh, 33609 on this mix because I wanted a diode compressor. I wanted the sound of a diode compressor having used um, Bart's HRK stuff. Uh, but I couldn't be bothered patching in the analog, so I just found what those are modelled on, which is it's the purple one. But this is another version I found and thought, cool, I've not used that, let's try that. The banjo, EQ, and Sooth 2, taking out a bit of uh, top-end bite. So on the keys, uh, it says I've got stage one, but I haven't actually used that in the mix, it turns out. Pro Q3, similar thing, low-end side chain to the bass, just to keep it out of the way, give the bass that space. 2500, which is my go-to for piano. Love that on the piano. Why? Why do you like on piano? Good question, Paul, and I wish you hadn't asked because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Other than I think the, the the API stuff has all the stuff, that the preamps, um, the EQs and the compressors, they have a very focusing sound. And I'll, I think the piano is, is something for me that needs to be focused in most mixes, in, in a traditional piano sense there was a mix i did recently with quite a haunting piano uh, for an acoustic track and i wouldn't have touched it with compression because the idea was it was just it just didn't need it there's a sound there's a there's a tightness to it how much gain reduction what are you doing yeah like a db or two yeah just tapping the needle yeah yeah just keeping it under control uh then there's the b3s eq'd to get all the pedal noise out of the way and then just there's nothing in the signal below that really uh, stage one to give it some width and a bit of depth. This is a great plugin if anyone hasn't used this. Uh, I know Paul's all over it. We mention it all the time. Yep. Again, because I stole one of Paul's tricks. <laughs> Auto uh, pan again. <laughs> Auto pan. But what I did on this was uh, so same thing, similar EQ. Stage one, just adding a little bit of depth to the the low one, so it sits a little bit back from the bass guitar, but isn't as far back as the higher one. But I've got two auto pan plugins going on. The low one is going at half beats. What have we got? 50%. And the, the stereo B3 is going at quarter notes. And I felt that created quite a nice amount of movement. It's very subtle, but I think people would notice if it wasn't there. Now, guitars, this is where we get complicated. Because as I said earlier, there was 57 and a ribbon mic. The IO plugin is going to my Ray Air compressor. Not for the compression, simply for the THD circuit. Set to medium, giving it a little bit of bite. EQ, fuser, side chain to the bass. Sooth 2 uh, to control some low mids and top end harshness. That Rayer plugin is just a control plugin for the analog. The Wes Audio analog gear is digitally controllable. Pro MB side chain to the lead guitars to get out the way a little bit. One instance of Pro Q3 set to the banjo to get that out of the way of the banjo. I'm surprised I didn't set that to mid because the banjo is reasonably central. I may have meant to do that and forgot. Uh, but I did do that on this where the lead guitars, again, are side-chained to the main guitar, the rhythm guitars with one and a half dB in the mid, in the mid signal, not the side signal or stereo image. Lead guitars... Not much. Bit of a high-pass filter again. And the API vision channel strip. Now, this is actually adding quite a bit. Uh, well, a couple of dBs here and there just for some presence. 
high pass that a little bit higher. You might be asking why have I got a high pass filter there and one on the channel strip. That's a good question. No real need for that. I just, I just almost, I started with the um, native channel EQ as I do with most things. I'd pretty much go for that straight away. That does most of my high passing just because it's such a low CPU usage plugin. But then I've got so much UA DSP that I can use quite a lot of the UAD plugins as well, which is great. And the steel guitars, band passing a lot of that. Stage one, again, for quite a bit of depth to keep that quite distanced. LA-2A to give it a bit more openness to control the, um, the swells. And then that is going to, I believe, the backing vocal reverb because I couldn't be bothered setting up a different reverb. Vocal-wise, this is where you're going to have fun, Paul. Smart gates. Now, this plugin, basically, you analyze the vocals. Nine times out of ten, I pretty much use what it comes up with initially. Sometimes with vocals, you have to tweak the hold and the release, but on most sources, I just use the default setting it comes up with. It gets you in the ballpark very quickly. Uh, Smart DS, before the compression, I decided to try this after Paul suggested this was a good idea in our vocal rundowns last week. Ceilings of sound, which we discussed last week. That's what that's looking like. Uh, this curve is to pink noise, I believe. Yep, and then this section here was to brown noise. Yep, pretty much. Tooth 2, of course, doing bits here and there. Uh, the tube tech. Now, we ran through this last week, so it's basically the same. Uh, the main difference being that we've got the I.O. plug-in here this time. That is routing out to my analog gear. And this vocal after the Pro-Q3 there is going into my Stam Audio SA3A in limit mode, not set to LA4 mode. Uh, and then that's going into the DBX520, which is adding some kind of DSing as well. And then that's going into the Marg EQ4, barely doing anything, just a bit of a shelf at 20 kilohertz. A little bit at 650 and a little bit at 160 as well for some more body. And then again, the LA-2A just for the spaciousness. But that's pretty much as we discussed last week. Then we have Vocal Parallel 1, Band Passing, Fairchild Compressor. That's doing quite a lot of compression. That'll be going down to like minus 12 there. And that is the compressor that I'm feeding in. It's always in the background at about minus 20, but I'm feeding that in for the choruses, another 10 dB. Sounds a lot, but because it's a parallel and it's already so low, it's it's not actually that much. Parallel left, 1176, set basically is absolutely pinning it. Parallel 3 is on the right, which is uh, LA3A, again, absolutely pinning it when that's running. Then we have short reverb. This is the Pro R2 from FabFilter. I saw Dan Worrell do this, and I was reminded again that Dan Worrell is the genius of YouTube. <laughs> His explanations are so beautiful. And this plugin is so customizable. I, I bought it. I think that's the only plugin I bought in about three years. Vocal slap again. A little bit of R two long reverb. Oh, all the reverbs, as you can probably tell, have uh, some EQ at the start for some control of the low end primarily. Valhalla. If you don't have Valhalla reverb, it's probably the most popular reverb. Uh, now that long reverb is set with a compressor side chain to the lead vocal with quite a big threshold, so that and an immediate attack. And a, and a release timed by ear to lift up in between the vocal phrases. So it's not cluttering up the lead vocals when they're delivering. It's coming up in the space. And the same for the delay. A bit of EQ. Uh, just the stock delay designer. Again, the compressor again. 
Sidechain, pretty much the exact same settings. So it's out of the way when delivering, comes up in the brakes. But this is also then tied to a reverb. I'll play along with the length of this. I'm favoring a shorter reverb on the end of the delay, but that's just to take the, to soften the repeated notes. Moving on to the backing vocals, grouped together again, bucket mixing these. I didn't do any individual processing. Pro Q3, a bit of stereo uh, side width um, EQ, bit of DSing, bit of stuff just to keep out of the way of the main vocals and quite high, high pass. Sooth 2, of course. The SSL G bus compressor, that's doing about 4 dB of compression at any one time. Low ratio, though. Again, slow attack, slow release. The Marg EQ, because I love the hardware so much. The plugin made me buy the hardware, and I use the plugin whenever I can as well. Again, just a bit of brightness and upper, upper lift there. And Fuser, um, sidechain to the lead vocal, so that the backing vocals are never clashing too much with the uh, with the vocals. Let's, again, good plugin to have in your arsenal. Hey there, Ed here. You may recognize my voice from doing all the other Distro Kid advert segments. This time I didn't want to just do a typical advert talking about stuff to do with Distro Kid. I actually wanted to give you my feedback about the service because I genuinely do use Distro Kid for uploading my music. And I know Paul does, and it turns out Dan Worrell does as well. I've used Distro Kid since 2019. As you can see on the screen, I have six releases so far. It is genuinely super easy to use. The tracks get into Spotify within 24 hours, which is remarkable. Apple Music takes a little bit longer. I'd suggest giving that 10 to 14 days. The hyperfollow links are really useful for advanced promotion of your tracks. And the promo cards are really great visual aids for social media promotion. Ooh, I particularly like that one. DistroKid collect all the royalties from your streaming services. And here you can find an itemized breakdown of where all your income has come from. There's also a DistroKid referral where you can save your friends $10 per sign-up by creating your own VIP referral link. So drums, the I.O. plugin is going to my Serpent Audio SB4001 stereo compressor. Medium attack, medium release to try and keep the energy of the drums. That's also going into the IGS Rubber Bands Mastering EQ, which is kind of a stereo Pultec with a little bit going on at 60, but like 1 dB, quite a bit going in the top end. And I've used quite a bit of the attenuator on this, actually, just to get rid of some kind of low mids in the kit. And also, I should have said before that, it's going through my API 550Bs with 2 dBs at 40 hertz, a cut at 500 of 4 dB, and nothing on the upper two bands. Sometimes I put in 10K, but... I went a bit more mental on the um, rubber bands. Then they go into the drum bus. Wasn't using Rezo. Bit of Soothe. Soothe goes on everything. And a bit of K-clip for some clipping. Coming to a close, all the instruments go to an instrument bus where we have Soothe sidechain to the vocal bus just to get rid of some spiky frequencies that might be conflicting with the vocals. Pro Q3 sidechain to just a dip, uh, like a dB not even that, half a dB in this case, to the vocals, just to give the vocals some space. And I'm actually surprised I haven't set that into mono mode. <clears throat> so I'm going to do that now, put that into mid mode if I rebounce this. Uh, IO plugin, that's going to my SSL G comp. I, I was barely using it. I was tickling maybe a decibel on this. To be honest, I, I forgot I had it in place. It was doing so little. K-clip again. And then on my mix bus, it's Pro Q3. This lives on my template. 
bit of top end trickery, you know, to create a bit of bounce, bit of low end trickery. I think I'll nick this off streaky, just creating a bit of bounce in the low end and a bit of bounce in the top end. And also if you dip at about 160 and it is nearly always 160 hertz, if you put a really sharp spike in like that, just seems to do something to separate the low end and the top end and the mid range. Try it for yourself at home. Uh, then on this one, I went mental. I had gold clip, not doing too much, maximum a dB, I think. Then the God particle, because I wanted the parallel processing, so the limiter isn't on. I don't know why that's so small. It's obviously a cold day. And that's actually set to quite a high amount. Normally, I'd have that at about 80%. Probably didn't bother even changing it up. Probably just auditioned it and thought, meh, sounds good, cool, next. Pro L2, and I think we were coming in at minus 11 luffs, minus 10.5 maybe. That is doing no more than 0.5 of a dB of limiting. So three limiters, I would not normally use that, but for this mix, I thought, cool. I had it on, sounded good, left it on. All right, if you've suffered through all of that, <laughs> I hope you've picked something up. Um, that's literally what I do pretty much in every mix. That's pretty much my template. And like I said, with the clip gaining and the low-end focus and mastering that, I wasn't using as much uh, clipping in that mix as I would sometimes do. But gain staging and clipping really help with consistency in the low end for me. And there you have it. Yes, it was a long uh, video this week, um, but I do have to give Ed credit there for showing his entire template because I know it's something that not many people on YouTube do. So for me, it gives you a lot of extra context because you've heard the rough, you've heard what Ed's done to the rough, so you've got both versions. Um, and then again, obviously, if you know you want to kind of find out a little bit more, kind of more context of what Ed was talking about here, then again, you can just skip back listen to the track that'll be on Ed's website as well so we'll leave um, there'll be links in the uh, description and the podcast show notes um, to both of our websites and you'll be able to listen um, to it just in case you get those those nut jobs that are like oh my god YouTube compression even though it's not as bad as what everybody thinks so yes I look forward to doing my own mix of this and then we'll do a comparison and uh, I'll do the same as Ed um, and I will bore the tits off you going through my my entire session. Um, but again, I know that a, a lot of um, you out there love to kind of do all the nosy, geeky stuff and look at all the templates. And again, it's all about ideas. At some point, we do plan on having audio examples. It's just that um, doing all this is a bit of a bollock. Even just Ed being able to <laughs> like screencast it. We've figured out ways of doing it. And I know how to get the audio. I just need a good session that I could work off because of I need to get the USB and stuff that's got the files on it. So we are going to have audio examples at some point. Um, and yeah, this is kind of how we plan on doing it to give you more context instead of it just being all us talking. Again, try and give you a bit of visuals as well. So there you have it, Ed. Great mix this week. And um, thank you. I don't think um, that you're going to win, probably just because we have ties to, to produce like a pro. Even if you had the best, even if you had like the best mix in the world, I don't think we'd probably win. Um, it's, it's, pro it's definitely not about the winning. It is yeah, about the absolutely. taking. It's about me practicing mixing still. 100%. And, and pushing, pushing to be as good as I can. Uh, and podcast material, why not? Absolutely. And as always, again, leave your feedback down below. But again, don't be dicks. Again, just it's all subjective at the end of the day. Yes, everybody has their opinions. But again, please just be kind to one another. This is a supportive community that we're trying to create. To, as of tomorrow, I am going to be travelling to London to stay with Ed again. Uh, honestly, I think I think uh, me and my um, my wife said to me last night, she was like, "Paul, 
how do I know if you and Ed you aren't having an affair because uh, you're staying at his all the time you've been to London three times now you've been to LA with him so um, yes for anybody asking no me and Ed are not in a secret relationship um, however sometimes I do host on porn uh, on horn th- fuck say I was going to be funny <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, fuck I'm going to say it <laughs> Someone made me a thumbnail for that. Andrish yeah, made me a thumbnail. If you want the answer for Paul and mine's uh, non-existent affair, it will be on Thornhub. <laughs> that was going to be a great punchline, but I fucked it. Yeah, so I'm in London tomorrow with Ed. We've got a special event because there's a very special release coming out that I'm involved in. That's why I'm going down there. Um, and yes, we're going to Which speak we can up. talk about because the product's been released. <laughs> yes, it's going to be... It's, um, you already know about it. It's the Audion Aurea. I am going to have it and it's going to be my main interface for the Atmos. Apparently, there's going to be quite a few uh, London-based mix engineers that are going to be there. So it's good networking for us. And again, we might be able to get some of them on the podcast. And However, if you want to enter the Rate My Mix competition, you can do. <laughs> just check out Produce Like a Pro or RateMyMix.com. It's free to sign up to Rate My Mix. Uh, and you can enter the competition as well and win yourself lots of really tasty prizes this time. Ooh, better so right. good luck in that. Feel free to tell us, reach out with your mixers if you do do that as well. Thank you to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode again and continuing to do so. That was emotional from me. It was emotional that I've completed Paul Third with this feedback. Completed. Well done. Good for you. We'll see you again next week. Bye. <laughs>